Some of you love your culture more than you love Jesus. We need to die to self daily. Pick up your cross. What did Jesus do on a cross? Did he hang there and sing, you know, Kumbaya? He was dying for you. His body was so badly beaten and bruised, he was not recognizable as a human being. He was broken and bruised. The flesh was torn from his body and he was nailed to a cross so that you and I don't have to do that. But you see, we get comfortable and we start thinking again that, oh, you know, this is important. My rights are important, my privileges. No, Jesus is very clear. If you do that, you cannot follow me. Hello and welcome to the Love Key Church podcast, where we share our church's message of the week. My name is Heinz Winkler, and together with my wife, children, and our leadership team, we host Love Key Church here in Somerset West, online, and on this podcast. It is our mission to help you to encounter God, align with His purposes, reign in life, and help others to do the same. We trust that you will find this message empowering, encouraging, and inspiring. Please share it with your friends and family and write a review for us. And a huge thank you goes out to those who have already done so. May you be thoroughly blessed as you listen to this message. We are busy with a series called The Teacher. And it's about the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus' well-known Sermon on the Mount. And last week, we spoke about the Beatitudes, and uh, it was a message called Hashtag Blessed. If you, if you missed that, please go and listen to it and uh, catch up with where we are at. Today, we are continuing with the Sermon on the Mount, and we're going to pick it up in, in Matthew 13, and our message today is called Earth Salt and World Light. Earth Salt and World Light, because that's what Jesus calls us to be. So turn to your Bibles or just read with me on the screens from Matthew 5, verse 13. Jesus is teaching. We've established that. He says, you, speaking to his disciples and the masses, are the salt of the earth. But if that salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand. And it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Some of you will recognize that verse from our series on radiance. Does anyone recognize that? And also, God's been speaking to us a lot about light, right? <laughs> there was a, a time where we, we saw this uh, scripture a lot. So I, I think the Holy Spirit is up to something and we need to pay attention. But first, we're going to turn our attention to Jesus saying, you are the salt of the earth. As we saw last week in the Sermon on the Mount, starting when Jesus sat down and opened his mouth and began to speak to his disciples. And we saw how those two 
things that are mentioned in Scripture are significant, and this is important what he's about to say. We saw that he began to speak to his disciples and the multitudes that came and listened to him. Why did they come and listen to him? Why were there a multitude? We showed that and we practiced that in this church because Jesus healed people. And they went to call more people and more people got healed. And so the crowd grew. And now they were ready to listen. And then Jesus speaks the Beatitudes where we heard in how many ways what blessedness truly is. It is actually dying to self. That's being blessed. It is actually killing your pride. That's being blessed. It is actually sacrificing everything for Jesus. It's having strength, ability under control. It is having a pure heart and single-mindedly pursuing God's righteousness above all else and getting excited about being persecuted for chasing that righteousness. How many of you are excited about persecution for Jesus? You're like, no, 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 not me. Let it be those Christians overseas somewhere. I have news for you. The persecution is coming. Even in our comfortable Somerset West, it is coming in our schools, it is coming in our universities, it's coming for you and your family. Soon it'll be offensive if you call yourself a father, if you actually are a father. It'll be offensive if you call a woman a mother. They will, they will tell that, say it's hate speech and drag you to court. It's coming. Why? Because Christians are not standing up against the evil in the world. But we will win. Anyway, Jesus is at our side. I want to ask you this morning, I quickly summarized the Beatitudes now. Some of you heard it last week. Some of you listened to the podcast. If any of you here this morning believe and feel like you have all eight forms of blessedness operating in your life all the time, please raise your hand. No one? You're not operating in the Beatitudes? Did, did Jesus preach it? Do you think he meant it? Should we obey or, or not obey? So what's wrong? Why are we not all raising our hands? I'm going to wait. This make it more awkward. Of course, if we are truly born again Jesus followers, we need to take these instructions seriously and become Christians who live these attributes. Because as we saw last week, it is not what you do, it's who you are. It's not your conduct, it's the content of your character. That's what Jesus is saying. Blessed are those who do this and this and this. Not, sorry, who are these things, not do these things. And I can only be what Jesus has called me through him and with the leading of the Holy Spirit, only by the blood of Jesus, by accepting and receiving him as Lord and Savior, and through the power of the Holy Spirit, can I walk out the Beatitudes? Let me ask this. How many of you want to be blessed the way Jesus says? 
Okay, now don't put up your hand like it's a Sunday school answer. Because it means you have to die to self. It means you have to lay everything on the line. And, and I'm, I know, I've been this Christian. Like, I hear it and I go, wow, that's so cool. That's such a strong truth. Wow, hallelujah, amen. And then I just go on with my life. I don't want us to be that kind of church. I want us to read the Beatitudes, be completely challenged out of my skin and go, I can't do this. I am not this. And say, Holy Spirit, help me. I want to be this. I know in you I am this. But when I look at my life and I look at the Beatitudes, it's not matching. She's not same, same. And that's why none of you put your hands up. That's why I didn't put my hand up. Because I know I'm not there, but Jesus is, this is who you are. So what's missing? I believe it's our faith in Jesus and an understanding of what it really means to be a believer that's missing. Okay, back to our scene. The disciples and the multitudes have just heard that what they thought happiness was, blessedness was, looks completely different according to the wonder-working rabbi in front of them. So like us, I think the disciples and the multitudes thought a blessed life will be one where there's no Roman oppression. A blessed life will be where every time I go out to catch fish, my boat's full of fish. Right? Because that's what we think. And then Jesus comes and he flips the script. And they must have gone, what? That's not what I thought the Messiah was going to come and do. Don't think it's only us that are challenged by this. They were challenged by this as well. But the Beatitudes was just Jesus' introduction. He was just warming up. After establishing what blessed people look like and are like, he continues to tell them, you are the salt of the earth. Therefore, we can see a connection. He didn't say the Beatitudes, took a break, walked to another mountain and started saying, you are the salt of the earth. It is the same sermon. He's speaking to the same people. Blessed are these people, blessed are these people, and then you are the salt of the earth. Therefore, if I am poor in spirit, first beatitude, I am, ble I am the salt of the earth. Therefore, if I mourn over the sin and the brokenness of myself and this world before God, then I am the salt of the earth. If I hunger and thirst for righteousness, then I am salt of the earth. Can you see the connection? So what is the salt of the earth? Why did Jesus use this expression? Well, in physical terms, salt, you will know, is sodium chloride. Our oceans are filled with it. Our bodies need it. And it's a vital and needed substance on the earth. And Jesus is saying, you are the salt of the earth. Listen to some of these interesting biological or scientific facts. Salt water carries electrical signals that make life possible. Your body uses salt water 
to send electrical signals that cause your heart to beat and your brain to think. You are the salt of the earth. To do this, the body has special molecules called ion pumps that move these ions around. Many diseases are caused when these ion pumps malfunction, when there's not enough healthy salt. Another source says this, the human body contains about four ounces of salt. Without enough of it, muscles won't contract, blood won't circulate, and food won't digest, and the heart won't beat. You are the salt of the earth. Salt water acts as a conveyor. Listen to this. <laughs> imagine that I want you to see the whole earth in front of you and imagine the oceans of the world. Water, salt water acts as a conveyor belt to carry heat around the planet. Earth. Europe and North America are kept warm by the so-called Gulf Stream, a massive current of warm water flowing north from the tropics. This current is driven by changes in the saltiness of the ocean water. As the polar ice caps freeze in the winter, the surrounding ocean water becomes saltier. Saltier water is heavier, so it sinks to the seafloor, stirring the ocean and driving these currents. You are the salt of the earth. Now most of us would have heard messages preached on this piece of scripture where it focused on the flavor of salt giving flavor to food. And that's why a Christian's life should add flavor, a heavenly flavor to other people's lives. You may have heard people preach and say, it's because salt is used as a preservative a preservative that keeps food, especially meat, from going off. So as Christians, we should preserve what is good in life. Anyone heard those before? And although these pictures can help us and help us understand what it means to be a true Christian, that are the salt of the earth, but Jesus doesn't specifically refer to food flavoring or to food preservation. Either directly in this paragraph or in another place where he talks about the same thing. And I'm sure we've all heard the expression, those people are real salt of the earth kind of people. Have you heard that? Salt for the aarde. And in my experience, when people say that, they usually mean they are fairly simple folk who don't need much and are just good, kind-hearted and helpful people. And usually there's some, kind, some mom that's making amazing food and always making sure everybody's fed. Soot van die aarde. But this is not what Jesus is talking about. Because you and I may know some people who most would refer to as salt, salt of the earth kind of people, but if they are not born again, if they are not filled with the Holy Spirit, if they don't know Jesus, they are not going to spend an eternity with Christ no matter how salty they are in terms of what we think. And that's a hard reality we have to face. It's very clear from the Bible that only those who receive Christ Jesus, who believe in the name of the Savior, will see, enter, and inherit the kingdom of God. It's very clear. It's not my opinion. It's the truth of the word of God. 
So, what could Jesus be actually talking about? If it's not directly about it being a food flavoring, a food preservation, or just people being good, what is he saying? Well, we can find a similar quote from Jesus speaking to the multitudes in Luke 14, where Jesus also speaks about salt losing its flavor and what happens to it. And here we get some insight into what Jesus probably also meant in Matthew 5. The quote about salt comes at the end of the chapter in Luke. But I'm going to read the whole chapter or a big part of the chapter from verse 25 because I believe the context is very important. When we had the, the women's conference, I remember Greta Witt said, the only text that matters is context. So context here is very important. So I'm going to read to us Luke 14 from verse 25. I want you to really focus and listen. Now, great multitudes went with him, and he turned and said to them, you can put it up, I think it is there. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. What? And whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you, intending to build a tower, does not sit down first and count the cost, whether he has enough to finish it? Lest after he has laid the foundation and is not able to finish it, all who see it being, uh, being, begin to mock him, saying, this man began to build and was not able to finish it. Have you ever driven past one of these building sites where you're like, what happened there? Someone started something and they never finished because they didn't count the cost. It goes on to say the same about a king. And then at the end it says, So likewise, whoever of you does not forsake all, what you say in the beginning, forsake all, parents, siblings, yourself, he cannot be my disciple. And directly after that he says, salt is good. But if, he, if the salt has lost its flavor, how will it be seasoned? Exactly the same thing that he said in Matthew 5. It is neither fit for the land nor for the dunghill. But men throw it out. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. I apologize that that wasn't on the screen. I'm just going to repeat that first line. Now great multitudes went down, went with them, and, and he turned to them and said, if anyone comes to me, listen guys, Jesus is saying this. If anyone comes to me, and does not hate his father, his mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. Can you imagine being a disciple, one of the 12, hanging around Jesus, and he suddenly says this? You're like, no. Like, this is really bad for PR. You can't say that. Imagine, imagine Jesus saying that in our current liberal woke culture. He would be locked up. You can't say that. It's offensive. You're going to hurt someone's feelings. Who of you had a tough time hearing this? While you still have a picture in your mind 
from movies and series and the children Bible where you think Jesus is this guy with his head kind of tilted with a sash holding a lamb. Just kind of standing there saying soft, kind things all the time. You laugh because you think that's Jesus. That's not Jesus. He did not mind to offend people. The Bible says he's the rock of offense and a stumbling stone to those who don't believe. But he's the cornerstone to those who believe. So simple test. When I read the word of God and I'm offended, I don't believe that Jesus is Jesus and what he says is true. What should happen? Whoa, this is a hard saying. This is tough. But I'm not God. I'm not Jesus. I chose to follow him. Okay. Obviously, I'm wrong. And Jesus is right. And to the extent to which I don't understand or I'm offended or my, my flesh is struggling, I have to lean into him and say, help me understand which area of my life has not died yet. Instead of going, well, I really feel this so strongly that the word of God must be wrong. This is serious. I cannot stress enough to you how serious this is. That's why I'm sitting here. I want to look you in the eye. Do you get how serious this is? We cannot play Christianity. It's not a game. It's not a, it's not a culture. It's not a thing we do on a Sunday. It has to be who we are. And I really... I cannot stress enough how much I want each and every one of you to get this. Because if you really get this, when you wake up tomorrow morning, your day will start differently. It'll start in line with Jesus. When you, wait, when you go to work, the things that you typically would do in traffic, the swearing, the shouting that no one can hear but you, the anger, the frustration, the way you speak to people that you may not like, the way you do your work, the way you treat people, if it doesn't permeate each and every segment of that, then you are playing Christian. It's just that simple. I'm going to stand up now again. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus is saying a hard thing here. But is he really saying that we have to hate our parents? Because in another place he says, honor your father and mother. So what is it now? What he is saying is that in comparison to how much you love me and want to follow me, your love for your parents and your siblings and yourself should completely pale in comparison. 
It comes back to the hunger and thirst for righteousness. Can you see that? Don't be offended by this. Lean into it. What did Jesus mean? It's a hard saying. There must be something to this. Some of us will be offended by that, but how many of us today will take a moment, even though they were shocked in their flesh, didn't like what they heard, but because of spiritual maturity, will check in with the Holy Spirit about this saying and the decision of the leader and then trust the saying out of submission to Christ, who is the head of the church and and has, has called us to this kind of life. Will we do that? Will we make that decision? So maybe some of us has to go, I'm not sure what he meant by that. It's a hard saying, but I choose to trust him and lean in to hear more and gain spiritual understanding. Jesus reveals the truth of his heavenly kingdom by all of these sayings. He says that we need to operate in holiness, purity, and righteousness. And that's why he speaks about being fully surrendered, completely sold out, no holds barred, with a bet the whole farm type of commitment for the kingdom. Because just as pure sodium nitrate has the ability to disinfect manure, that's what he said at the end of Luke 14. He says, if salt has lost its flavor, it is not good to put on the land or on the, on the dung hill. What was the dung hill? It's where human everything went and they disinfected it with salt so that it wouldn't carry disease. That's what salt was used for and that's what Jesus was saying. If salt has lost its flavor, it cannot disinfect manure, it cannot fertilize soil. And when its flavor is intact and it's functioning at its full capacity, it can do it. So what he was saying is that will believers who love Jesus so much that in comparison with their love for Jesus, they seem to hate their fathers, mothers, brothers and sisters and their own lives. And they will be the ones who are able to disinfect that which can cause illness that which smells, and they can fertilize soil that otherwise was infertile. Jesus is saying that if you are not fully committed to Him, but if your heart is divided, that your commitment is shared, that you are like salt that is mixed in with other substances, which causes it to be adulterated, spoiled, then you cannot follow Him. He repeats that sentence a few times. You cannot follow me. If you are like this, you cannot follow me. If you are like this, you cannot follow me. It is really an all or nothing thing. There's no middle ground. And he tells us to count the cost. Before you commit your life to him and live the life of being earth salt, you need to realize and consider the fact that it will cost you everything. It will cost you. How many of you were sold a gospel that just put on Jesus and your life will be great. And you came forward and you said yes to Jesus and for a week it went well and then it seemed like everything fell apart. And you were like, what the heck just happened? I thought if I put on Jesus, my life's gonna be great. It's because you were not given the full gospel. The full gospel is that you need to die and give everything to Christ. 
You will experience His joy, His peace, and His rest in this life. But it will be while you struggle, while you go through many growth uh, times in your life. It is all part of it. If you signed up for a Jesus and a church where everything will go well all the time, I've got bad news for you. And if your flesh is struggling with that, then to you it might feel like bad news. But Jesus calls it good news. It's the gospel. It's the good news. Why would Jesus call it good? Because if you don't die to self here, now, in this life, you will spend an eternity of death in another place. That's why it's good news. And how many of you know, those who who have really received the truth of the gospel and live the truth of the gospel, how many of you know that even though we sometimes grow through the valley of death, nothing compares to the presence of God, the joy that He brings, the peace that He brings, that despite stuff that's tough in this life, I know that I am a child of God and I will keep walking with Him. I may shed a tear. I may have a broken heart every now and again. I may go through stuff that I don't understand. People may turn their backs on you. People may say things about you that hurt your feelings, but my God is with me. And I know that I will spend an eternity in the presence of a holy God who loves me. That is why it is good news. But do not be deceived. It will cost you everything of this life in this realm. Everything. Why is Jesus saying this? Well, being the creator of all things, the Bible says all things were created through him, by him, and for him. Even salt. Did you know that salt cannot actually lose its flavor? It cannot. Salt on its own, that crystal, it cannot lose its flavor. But when it is mixed with foreign substances, it loses its function and its effectiveness. And Jesus knew this. You see, in the market sometimes, in, in the Bible time, they would buy salt from, a, from someone who's trying to swindle them, and he would add sand into the salt to make it heavier. So when they weigh, they pay for that amount, but then it's mixed with sand. And when the, when the woman or the man who bought the salt gets home and wants to use it, he can't use it because it's not pure. Then they throw it out because it's lost its flavor. Some of them got their salt from the Dead Sea, and it's mixed with other substances. First, it has to be cleaned and separated. Otherwise, it's adulterated and spoiled. Jesus knew this. He's trying to tell us something. You can only be salt to the earth. You can only be the warmth, the presence of God, the one who disinfects that which is horrible, who can fertilize soil that's infertile, if you are completely pure and sold out to him. That's what Jesus is saying. You are the salt of the earth. And then he said, you are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand. And it gives light to all 
who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Light is visible and should be seen. Would you agree? Jesus says, immediately after he says, you are the light of the world, he compares it to a city on a hill. What happens when we see a city on a hill? Which lights are on? When will the lights be on? When there are people, their lights will be on. And we will see it because it's it's, uh, raised and there's nothing in the way. We will see the light. And people are drawn to the light. When they, are, when they see it, they gravitate toward it, especially people that don't have light. People that are maybe walking in darkness, looking for some life, sees the city on a hill. They go, there's light. There must be people. I am drawn to the light from this place of darkness. Can you see that? So light is visible and gives hope. Light, obviously, is also a source of light. It gives light. Then Jesus says that if you have the light, His light, don't hide it underneath a basket, but keep it on a lampstand so that all will see it. Here we see how Jesus says the light we have because of Him has a purpose. The light He has given us has a purpose. And if we do not use it for its purpose, we abuse it. If you take your light and you put it under a basket so no one can see it, You are abusing what Jesus has given you for another purpose. Can you see that? The purpose of His light in us is to shine it to others. That the whole house can see it. Amen? And what's the essence of the light that shines? He says it. It's good works that we do before men. But for what purpose? To glorify God. The fruit of Jesus' light in your life should be good works. Good works by God's standard. And why? Why should you let people see it? So that God can be glorified. It's all about Him. It's all about the kingdom. This means that thinking of yourself as a secret agent Christian is not an option. Have you met secret agent Christians? They would say things like, you know, my, 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 my relationship with God is very personal. I don't talk about it. Really? I thought you died to self and were raised with Christ and you're full, filled with the boldness of heaven. No, but you know, it's a really personal, a really personal thing. I don't talk about it. Will you pray for us? No, 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 I don't pray. I don't pray in front of other people. Brother, you need Jesus. And why should, um, I've, uh, if I have truly encountered the living God, the master of the universe who created everything and who loves me so dearly through whom I have eternal life, then shining for him through good words in my life should be a natural outflow and an obvious fruit of who I am. Do you agree? Do you agree to the extent that you will actually do it? One of you. Anyone else? Any takers? Guys, (laughs) we can't play Christian. We have to be Christian. I, I sense such a strong sense of resistance in the spirit still over these things. 
Because it's hard. It's hard. For what is it hard? It's hard for your flesh. If you are struggling with this sermon and the one from last week, which is based on Jesus' own words, then you don't have a problem with me or this church. You have a problem with the one that you call your Savior. It's hard because you haven't died yet. Some of you, it's hard for you because you haven't been baptized post-conversion. Yes, I went there. There's someone here that still thinks sprinkling water on a baby's head is baptism. It's not baptism. It's not. Not based on the Bible. Do you know what linguistic hijacking is? Linguistic hijacking or theft. It's when you take a word that God meant to mean one thing, you hollow it out from its original meaning, you fill it with another meaning, and then you propagandize the heck out of it until everyone goes, yeah, yeah, that's what it means. That happened to baptism. It was never meant to sprinkle water on a baby's head. Never. Ephesians 4, there's one baptism, one God, one faith, one Lord, and one kingdom. Some of us have veils in the spirit because we haven't been baptized, because we believe, no, I was baptized. No, you weren't. You were not. You were lied to and deceived by well-meaning people. I'm not saying phone your mom and say, hey, you screwed up. No, I'm not saying that. But I'm telling you the truth today. Some of you love your culture more than you love Jesus. I'm going there. We need to die to self daily. Pick up your cross. What did Jesus do on a cross? Did he hang there and sing, you know, kumbaya? Was he going like, woohoo, yeah. He was dying for you. His body was so badly beaten and bruised, he was not recognizable as a human being. He was broken and bruised. The flesh was torn from his body and he was nailed to a cross so that you and I don't have to do that. But you see, we get comfortable and we start thinking again that, oh, you know, this is important, but this once is important. My rights are important my privileges no Jesus is very clear if you do that you cannot follow me he died physically on a cross so that we don't have to die physically on a cross and all he did all he's doing now is saying I want you to pick up your cross and it's a spiritual thing die to your your flesh die to your will and follow me That's all. And if you don't, this will burn in hell for eternity and suffer for eternity. Those are the choices, my friends. I didn't make up the choices. 
There's a holy call on each and every one of us. A holy, pure, amazing call. But it's going to cost us everything. Let's not be secret agent Christians. Because the, the reason why you might feel like, I can't talk, I can't pray, I can't do this, because you, you're still holding on to this flesh. Why do I say that? Because the reason you won't speak, the reason you won't pray, is because you have a fear of man. What will they think? And I've got news for you. It means you worship people. You love the opinion of people more than the standard of God. It's that simple. It's really that simple. There's no two ways about it. I know I may not see some of you next week. Don't be offended. Be blessed. And lean into what Jesus is saying. It will change your life. Remember, Jesus also said, whoever holds on to his life will lose it. But whoever will lose his life for my sake will gain life everlasting. Yo. What is physically the light of the world? Because he said, you are the light of the world. The same way that we looked at physical salt of the earth, I'm going to look at physical light of the world. The sun is, of course, our main light of the world. Would you agree? Anyone have another opinion? All right. And who says that he is the light of the world? Jesus says, I am the light of the world. In John, he's got seven I am statements. One of them is, I am the light of the world. But in Matthew 5, he says, you are the light of the world. Why? Because in Isaiah 61, like we saw when we did the series, it says that, Arise, shine, for your light has come. The glory of the Lord is risen upon you, and other nations will come. Jesus is the light that shines into us when we accept Him as Lord and Savior, and then His light in us radiates to others. Can you see that? All right. Physically, the sun is the light of the world, and Jesus' audience would have known about the sun's light and the light a lamp provides. These are the benefits of sunlight for humans. Listen to this. It kills bacteria. It reduces high blood pressure. It can regulate your immune system. It strengthens your bones. It improves, improves your sleep quality, and it boosts your mood. What is the benefit of sunlight for the earth, the world? The sun radiates light and heat, which is called solar energy. It makes it possible for life to exist on earth. Plants need sunlight to grow. Animals need plants to grow. Food and oxygen. And without heat from the sun, the earth would freeze. You are the light of the world. If you don't shine, the world will freeze. To death. Should I add that? Who remembers our first series? I've asked it already. It's called Radiance. And it's also our word for the year. And the scripture came up again, and we saw how scriptures line up beautifully with us, what I said about Isaiah 61. Christians bring light and warmth to the environments they step into. You are the light in every world in which you step. The world of your work, the world of a mall, the world of whatever it might be. You are the light. 
Are you shining that light into that world? Some of you will remember the picture of photosynthesis we saw that where it says how it works is photons from sunlight is shone onto the leaves and inside the leaves there are things called LHCs which get excited by the photons in sunlight. They get excited and start getting energetic and then they pass that excitement onto other LHCs and this gets a chain reaction going that causes it to create oxygen and food for the plant. And that's what light does. And that's what our light should be doing. It should be exciting others and getting them on board. This is our picture we need to meditate on to see how Jesus sees us and what he has called us to be. His light in us should manifest as good works to others. And the point of the works are that the glory of the Father will be praised. Let me confirm this with other scriptures. Ephesians 2.10 For we are God's masterpiece. You are God's masterpiece. How beautiful is that? He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that, why has He created you anew in Christ Jesus? Why are you born again? Why did He come to save you? So that you can do the good things He has planned for us long ago. Did you know that He has good things for you to do that He planned long ago? Do you know that? Or do you just think that's a nice thing to say? I want to sit in front of you again. Like, do you know that? He has plans for you. And you also need to realize that if you do not surrender your life to Christ, if you are not salt and light to the world the way Jesus says, and if you love other things more than you love Him, you cannot access the plans. It will not be made available. You might dabble in some of it because you have a gift, but you will never see the fullness of what God has for you because He can't trust you. He can't trust you until you go, I'm all in. I'm all in, Jesus. I want to see the plans. I want to see the blueprints. I want to run with you. The good things that are the fruit of being the light in this dark world have already been planned and ordained. We just need to surrender to God and obey His word and His voice. This is also confirmed in Titus 3.8, that those who believed in God should be careful to maintain good works. Those who have believed in God should be careful to maintain good works. What does maintain mean? It's ongoing. I can't just do a good work today and go, okay, tick the box, lacquer. No, it is a fruit of my life. Every day, all day, amen? Matthew 7.21, not Everyone who says, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. But he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Why is he saying, depart from me, you who practice lawlessness? People who come and say, Lord, Lord, I believe in you. Lord, Lord, I've driven out demons and I've done this. And I, he says, depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. What does he mean? What is the main commandment that Jesus gave us? Love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Sold out completely, only Him first. So much that it pales in comparison how much you love your mom, dad, brothers, sisters. That's a command. It's a law. If you break the law, you are practicing lawlessness. Get away from me, you practice lawlessness. For I say, Lord, Lord, but I love me, me. 
Lord, Lord, look what I've done. I don't care. Oh, you sold out for me. Sure. Thank you, Jesus. If we profess that Jesus is our king, we need to recognize that the king has spoken. And he has said how things should be. He has laid down the law. He did not ask our opinion. He did not check in with us about how our feelings are on the matter. He is the king. And he has made a decree. This is how it is. This is who you are. This is how my kingdom works. Either you fall in line or you fall out. Yes, God is love. Yes, Jesus died for us. Yes, he stands at your door knocking. All those things are true. But this is also true. And this is the standard. Why does the world look the way it does? Why does South Africa, where 84, I see the new stats is 79. 79% of people in South Africa tick the box, I am a Christian. Why would our nation look the way it does if 79% of 55 million people say they are Christian? It's because they are lying. Some of them might even really mean it. They don't think they're lying. They say, I grew up in a Christian home. So what? I know people who grew up in a Muslim home, got saved, and is changing the world for Jesus. You are not saved based on your parents' decisions. Thank God. Some of us should say thank God. You are saved based on the decision you have made or not made. Guys, friendship with the world is enmity towards God. If you love the world more than you love God, you are not saved or you have completely backslidden. And loving the world looks like I sound like the world, I talk like the world, I do what the world does, I chase the same things the world chases. You cannot follow Jesus because you love other stuff as much or more. Jesus said about money, you cannot serve God and mammon. You will love the one and hate the other. You can deceive yourself all you want, but at the end of the day, you're only serving one of them. And how we will know is by the fruit of your life and this is why Jesus has called us today and we are going through the Sermon on the Mount because we have to know what his standards are and we cannot just hear it and listen to it we actually have to live it and it will be tough because it will take your flesh and it will go you'll go ah this is this is hectic like I I want to rather, you know, step back, step away. Like, I don't like this. That means the Holy Spirit is busy with you. Instead of retreating, lean in. He will show you, this area of your life has not been surrendered to me. He will show you, you still hold unforgiveness towards a certain person. 
You still have bitterness because of that thing that happened in your life. You haven't given it to me. So I can't save you from it. And you can't live in the fullness that I have for you. The thing that I spoke about earlier today, the offenses that rise in people's hearts so quickly because I don't like what you say, what you do, or what you don't say, or what you don't do. Now I'm offended. Why? Because I think I have rights. Because I think that my opinion is more important than what we're doing in this family of, of, of God. No. We will be salt of the earth and light to the world. Amen? The great news is we don't have to do it in our own strength. Because when we do surrender completely, when we do allow Holy Spirit to live in us completely, He will empower us to do what God has called us to do. Nothing that Jesus has put here is impossible. It's possible with Him. But will you surrender? Will you engage? Will you say yes? Let us stand together and say yes to Jesus today. Let's close our eyes. Let us come humbly before our Father with repentant hearts. In whatever way each of us realize today how far we fall short of truly being earth salt and world light for Jesus with completely sold out hearts that are undivided, single-minded, laser-focused. We confess and repent and we choose to give our all to Him. Will you do that today? Say, take a moment. Say, Holy Spirit, show me if there's any way that I'm not completely sold out for Jesus. Is there anything I love more than Jesus? There would have been a first thought that came to your mind a thing, a person, a dream you're chasing, whatever that is that came up in that moment, I want you to take that thing in your spirit and just give it to God and say, I repent of loving this more than you. I repent of chasing this more than chasing your righteousness. And today I lay it before you, Lord. I surrender it all. Lord Jesus, I surrender my life. I don't love my life more than I love you. I don't love my spouse, my children, my family. Any relationship in my life is not more important than you. I repent of ever saying that a person or persons are my everything. I repent of that. You, Lord, are my everything. And everything else in my life will fall in line and be blessed when I put you first. So I put you first today. Let's say together, Holy Spirit, help me to be the salt of the earth and to be the light of this world. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Let's give our God a praise offering today. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah.
Thank you so much for listening to the Love Key Church Podcast message of the week. I trust that you had a life-changing encounter with God that will help you to align with His purposes so that you can be one step closer to reigning in life. And may you be inspired to share this with others. Have a great week and remember to listen again next week or you can catch us live online or come visit us in person. May God bless you and keep you. Make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you and your loved ones. God bless you. Bye-bye.